Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello. I'm delighted to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got a wondrous item indeed. This is an old vintage handheld camera used in cinema, probably vintage late 60s, maybe even into the early mid 70s. And this is a special camera uh, because one, it is a camera used in some cinema, uh, some cinema maybe tawdry. Yes, this camera is not unlike one used to film pornographic movies. A dirty and taboo subject. But a subject that can slip from the taboo into the horrific, especially in the new A24 movie. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at Ty West X. Now, before we get into uh, talking about this movie that I've been looking forward to for, for quite some time, I, I do want to say uh, I apologize. We've been a little sporadic lately. been trying to do two episodes a week. We've really been, a, it's been about one episode a week for, for a couple, two or three weeks now. But uh, as, as we mentioned in our last episode uh, on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, we lost our, our dear little cat, uh, Portia, because, you know, she just was very sick and we had to ease her suffering. Uh, unfortunately, as I was recording uh, last Monday's episode on March the 20th, that was a Sunday, uh, as soon as I got finished uh, recording and editing that episode, I got the call from my wife to to meet her at the hospital because uh, her her father passed away. And of course, this past Thursday we did not have an episode because uh, we were mourning and uh, and had the funeral for him. So uh, it, it's been a it's been a rough it's been a rough week and a half, two weeks, and uh, you know we're we're finally things slowing back down a little bit and hopefully getting back into the full swing of things and we'll have a full schedule of episodes uh, from here on out. Uh, not the least of which uh, I do want to mention that uh, Taylor Hawkins passed away this past weekend. Of course, uh, you know him from the Foo Fighters and the movie. One of my favorite comedy horror movies of 2022 studio 666 with the foo fighters uh he he passed away and we're going to be doing an episode soon you know i like to do movies and tv shows and books but i like to do music when they tie into horror fantasy and sci-fi and the foo fighters came out with a, a new album uh, under a pseudonym dream widow which was the uh, fictional band from studio 666 they did kind of a heavier metal album uh, so we're going to do an episode coming up in the next week or so discussing that album and kind of breaking it down and reviewing that and of course we'll do a a, a proper tribute to uh, the late taylor hawkins on that but uh, just kind of wanted to give you a heads up and we're also working on uh, a new feature to the podcast maybe something where i can do maybe some shorter podcasts supplemental podcasts in between the two main podcasts uh, so i can 
keep up to date on things that maybe I wouldn't do a full podcast episode on, but some, like I said, supplemental things in between. So those are all the things kind of in the works. But right now I want to talk about a a movie that I had uh, a lot of high hopes for and was really a movie that a lot of people, including myself, greatly anticipated in 2022, and that is the Ty West movie X. Of course, Ty West has been a name in in film and television that I'd heard uh, bandied about, but I really wasn't familiar with a lot of his work. I mean, I'd seen him. He'd done some work with the Amazon Prime series, Them. I knew he'd been a part of the Exorcist TV series. He's done done some movie, movies in the past uh, you know, 15, 16, 17 years. Uh, but I really wasn't that familiar with his work. And I heard he was doing this, uh, producing, writing, directing this movie X. And it was going to be essentially people filming a, a pornographic movie. And it turns into a horror film. It was filmed in New Zealand, which was a, a good stand-in for Texas, and it had a lot of, uh, you know, uh, there's some New Zealand actors, some, uh, I believe, some Australian actors in there, and a great cast, and I I was really interested to see what they were going to do with this, and uh, a little more of an expanded look at the premise of this movie, this group of young people go to this rural Texas town. They rent uh, what they call a boarding house. It's a a house on this old farmer's property that they're going to rent. And the farmer doesn't know that that they're going to film a porno there. But the farmer only has one thing, you know, to be respectful because his wife, she's not well. And they just need to to look out for her. Now, again, this is a new enough movie. I don't want to be too terribly spoilery, although there is going to be a section at the very end. I'm going to talk about some spoilery stuff because there is a lot to talk about uh, in regards to what may be coming next. So once we get to that point, I will let you know when the spoilers are going to start. So if you haven't seen this movie, I'll try not to spoil too much for you. We're pretty much going to talk about plot points in regards to and relationship to the characters. And we're going to talk about the actors who play these characters and kind of give you a sense of what this movie is about and what I loved about this movie. And then we'll kind of get into some spoiler territory after that. But I... As I said, loved this cast because it wasn't a cast full of names that I was very much aware of. Uh, you had Jenna Ortega, who we'll talk about, uh, Kid Cudi, who, you know, I, he's probably of all the actors in this. I was probably more familiar with some of his work than anyone else, but even still, not a wealth of knowledge of his work. Again, we'll talk about uh, his uh, his role in this and, and some of his work uh, coming up here in a minute. But the the real star of this, this movie was Maya Goth. And again, I, I really wasn't very knowledgeable of her filmography. I mean, I look it up and some of the movies I see on there, you know, they, they sound familiar, but nothing I've really watched. So seeing her in X was my real 
introduction into her work. And I, I really enjoyed what she brought to the table because she had this girl next door innocence about her, but she also played this very cocky, I'm going to be a star sort of vibe about her. Uh, from the very beginning, so she could be very unlikable. But then again, she had this innocence about her that you did sort of kind of, okay, maybe she's not so bad. And I know she kind of got top billing in this, but I wasn't sure she was going to be the final girl in this because, you know, it's a horror movie. You got to have a final girl. Uh, although the way they set it up, you weren't quite sure if anybody was going to survive this uh, because it's one of those situations where we pick up at the beginning of the movie, at the end of the movie, and then kind of go back and work our way up to where we started out. But I very much liked uh, Maya Goth because uh, she she had a little double duty in this. And we'll kind of talk about this a little more in the spoiler section uh, of this because I don't want to give too much away. Uh, because there's something, once you read the cast list, uh, you're going to figure it out. But if you haven't and you're, you're trying to go into watching this movie with, with blinders on, I don't want to give too much away. But like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, what else she did in this movie coming up uh, later on in the spoilery section. Now, the character and the actress that I really thought was going to be the final girl was the Jenna Ortega character, Lorraine, or, or she was called sometimes by the Wayne character, Church Mouse, uh, because she really is kind of an up-and-coming actress in regards to genre horror films you know she was a part of the new scream uh she was in studio 666 uh you know earlier in her career she had work in insidious chapter two uh even iron man three so uh the, the babysitter killer queen you know she's she's done some work in the genre and she's becoming uh a bigger name an up-and-coming name in horror so i i really thought and given this character lorraine's personality i thought she was going to be the final girl because she is she's called church mouse for a reason she's very well i i don't want to say virginal especially after things the way things go and and you it gives it away in the trailer so I, i'm not giving too much away here but uh she decides that she wants to have a scene in this porno that they're making uh so she's not uh, a virgin by any stretch of the imagination but she has that very sheepish quiet innocence about her uh she's not a prude by any stretch of the imagination but she can't understand how you know you've got these two couples here that are making this porno and how you could still be in love with your partner and do it with another guy or girl and so she kind of has that very sheltered innocence about her and really kind of the stereotypical final girl and she plays the role really well. Uh, she plays that that young innocence, that naivety. She is an up and coming uh, actress in horror, and she she's like one of the new scream queens. Uh, I, I don't like that term. I, I don't know why it it, it bothers me. That it, it kind of feels like it's relegating uh, women in these roles to just running around screaming. Uh, I know you got to have screams in a horror movie because it's horror, but it's just, I don't know, the, the term feels kind of just 
like it's pigeonholing uh, to some of these actresses because they're more than just the screams they let out. And there's a history of uh, women in horror that have been uh, dubbed scream queens that just uh, so much more. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode was more than just her scream. But Jenna Ortega did a fine job in this, an excellent job in this, and really kind of sold the red herring that she might be the final girl. Another character I really, I, I like the actor that played him. Uh, Martin Henderson plays Wayne Gilroy. He's kind of the producer of this whole thing. And he is one of the actors from New Zealand. He is the love interest of my goth's character maxine and he really he really played the texas vibe really well he if matthew mcconaughey and owen wilson had a love child it would be this wayne gilroy character played by martin henderson and he he kind of had this uh, smooth talking. He felt like a producer of pornographic movies. He could sweet talk anybody into to doing the things he wanted. Didn't really come across as a bad guy. He wasn't a, a slickster in that sense, but he is a, you know, he kind of felt like a bit of a manipulator or he also felt like a bit of a father figure, you know, for, for any of the drama that was happening between the characters. You know, he felt like he was the one that kind of had to to fix things he, he very much was a father figure and he of the of the cast of characters uh he's supposedly the oldest one you know all these characters are in their 20s he's 42 i believe he says and and martin henderson really played that well that you know that older statesman that is kind of just keeping all the shit together and trying to get this movie done because they're trying to they're trying to make a porno but as he and this other character rj the the director and the cinematographer of this uh, stated they're trying to uh, reinvent the wheel they're trying to create art house porn because they kind of talk about this throughout the movie that the home video revolution in filmmaking is about to hit and they think they're going to cash in on that by revolutionizing porn and making it, you know, porn is now no longer just for skeevy perverts. Anybody can watch porn in their own home with a VCR and a VHS tape. Porn's going to be more accessible and they're going to change things because they're making porn that's elevated in some way. So he kind of has this, you know, he's a, he's a visionary. He's somebody that wants to do something bigger, much like the Maxine character. She just doesn't want to be some, some kid from Texas. She wants to be a star. The Wayne Gilroy character wants to, to reinvent the wheel of porn and, and be something big. And I thought Martin Henderson really played this character well. Now, the one character, Jackson Hole, uh, he's a porn star and he's an ex-Marine, spent some time in Vietnam. He's the he's the stud of this film, but uh, played by uh, Scott Muscutty. Uh, you know him as Kid Cuddy. He's a rapper, but he's also done uh, quite a bit of acting uh, in film and in television. Uh, I wasn't really familiar with a lot of the, the work he's done in film. Although he's done some things, I haven't seen Bill and Ted Face the Music, but he plays himself in that. He was in Don't Look Up. Uh, he's also done some television. He's worked on Westworld. Uh, he's also in one of my favorite episodes of Creepshow. 
Uh, back in 2019, he did Bad Wolf Down, which is one of my favorite stories uh, in Creepshow on the Shudder Network. But Kid Cudi plays Jackson Hole, like I said, the stud of this this porn film they're making called The Farmer's Daughters. And he's an ex-Marine. And I, I like it because uh, there's a story behind this character. You don't really get into it, but little things he says here and there. Uh, there's a scene uh, late in the movie where, you know, somebody needs to step up and, and go help someone out and he you know he says once a marine always a marine you know he's 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 a man of honor he's a man of action you know he's not afraid to get his hands dirty and there's a story behind this character that is just the surface is just scratched but you know this guy has been through some stuff he's seen some stuff and even beyond him being a porn star there's a story behind this character and a history behind this character that really makes you like this character it makes you interested in what this character's been through and unfortunately it's a horror story and we're not gonna see that <laughs> we're not gonna hear those stories uh from jackson hole and in anything anytime soon but but i thought kid cuddy played this character really well and I, I've really enjoyed uh, the few things that I've had uh the chance to see him and he like a lot of people in this cast are Actors that I've not been completely familiar with, but after seeing this movie, I'd like to see them in, in more things. Now, the two characters that I felt were not quite developed, they were quasi-filler characters and maybe just fodder for the bad guy, but they were fairly one-dimensional characters. Uh, you had Brittany Snow playing the Bobby Lynn character. She is the blonde bombshell type porn star. She's glamorous. Not a bad person. She actually comes across as a very caring person. And, and that's one of the things I did like about this movie is that these characters, while they weren't wholly good people all the time, they weren't wholly bad people. You know, they, they were, they felt real, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because everybody has got their faults. I'm not completely good. I, I do some shitty things from time to time, but I'm not a bad person. Uh, there's a, a little bit of moral ambiguity with a lot of these characters that they're not bad people, but they're not you know, they can be dickheads sometimes, or they can be selfish sometimes, but they're not horrible people. And this, this character, Bobby Lynn, not a horrible person. She does a very caring thing just before she meets her untimely demise. And she's quite literally slapped in the face for it. So I thought with this character, it was it was kind of a one-dimensional character. Maybe maybe one-dimensional is being a little harsh. Like I said, there was a caring side to the stereotypical uh, glamour porn star side, but it was a character that we didn't really get to delve into too much of who they were. Uh, but I thought Brittany Snow, the actress, uh, really played this character for quite well. And and you've probably seen her in a lot of things. She's been in a lot of stuff, a lot of things I've never seen, uh, the Pitch Perfect movies. She's done a bit of TV, uh, workaholics, things like that. Uh, crazy ex-girlfriend, uh, nothing that I've watched in any great length. But uh, but there again, she is an actress that I, I'd like to I'd like to see more. I'd like to see her in more horror genre stuff because I, I thought she did a really good job with the character that was presented to her. Uh, same with the R.J. Nichols character played by Owen Campbell. He again was a, a character we didn't get to learn much about, but I, I can't say he was one-dimensional either because you know you you 
thought he was, you know, this visionary filmmaker and wanted to, he, you know, like Wayne wanted to reinvent the porn industry with high-end porn and seemed like a, a good guy, seemed like a nice guy. He seemed like the, the typical kind of uh, nerdy film student type. But then we saw a bit of a jealous side to him and we got to see him go, you know, not dark, not full on dark, but we got to see a darker, more angry side of him. But, uh, but it really wasn't uh, a whole lot to this character. Uh, there again, you've got uh, a handful of people and you've only got so much time. You've got your, your main characters. Uh, you can't focus too much on every character. So I, so I understand that. But I thought Owen Campbell uh, played this character very well. Now, there's one character that I, I thought for certain I had seen him somewhere. But I wasn't sure because of all the prosthetics. But Stephen Yur, and I, I misspoke when I said Kid Cuddy, uh, Scott Miscuddy, uh, was the actor that I was most familiar with his body of work. Uh, what little I was familiar. I, I take that back just because Stephen Yur, uh, I'm probably a little more familiar with his because you've seen him in so many different things. He's been in Lord of the Rings. Uh, he's been in The Hobbit. Uh, he's been in uh, the movie Mortal Engines, a lot of television, a lot of film, and you you may not recognize him because he's he's a great character actor, uh, and he always plays interesting characters, especially the stuff he did with like Lord of the Rings. Um, so I was I was probably more familiar with his work, but I didn't realize that was him until after I started doing a little research into the cast after everything was said and done but he plays the old farmer howard that they are renting this this house off of to film this porno and he does such a, a brilliant job of playing this old man uh, i don't know he's probably supposed to be in his 80s maybe even into his 90s I, i'm not what quite sure uh, how old he's supposed to be playing but but quite old quite crotchety uh, he even says right off the bat that he doesn't like this group of kids that are, are staying on his property and warns them several times to, to be mindful of his wife and, and his wife, Pearl, uh, we see her show up, uh, not early in the movie, but probably about uh, a quarter of the way in. And she really adds some some of the bizarreness to this because this movie really is a masterclass in setting tension because we don't really get any kills until I don't know. I mean, partway through the second act, it's very much a, a movie that uh, I've heard it described as slow burn. I've heard a 24 movies described as uh, slow burn movies. Uh, this, yeah, you could maybe call it slow burn. I don't know if it was slow burn because it, it wasn't building to a crescendo. It was just setting a, a tone and a tension within you this whole time. All these things are happening. These weird things where there's somebody in the background just out of focus and you can't tell who it is or what they want or what their intentions are. There are certain scenes that just make you feel uncomfortable. There's one shot when they show up to this farmhouse and you get this wide shot, just grass and trees in the background, and you just linger on this shot until 
out of the, the right-hand side of the screen, you just see this line of people walking slowly across the screen. And it just, it set a, a weird, unsettling tension. There's a scene where Maya Goth is swimming in this pond and you find out early that there's this alligator on the other side of the pond. And they did this shot where you're directly above her in this pond. You see the most of the expanse of this pond. She's swimming back to this dock. And then you know the alligator's there. You know it's coming. And you just get that knot in the pit of your stomach. And then all of a sudden, out swims this alligator slowly. Well, maybe not slowly, but uh, just a little faster than she is. And you know she's probably going to make it across, but you don't know for certain because this is a horror movie and you can't bring an alligator out in, in the first act and not have it death roll somebody in the third. It just, it, it's such a tension building scene that it, I, I, you know, it, they really spend a lot of time through the first half of the movie, uh, if not longer, just ratcheting up the tension scene after scene, making you uncomfortable scene after scene, disturbing you scene after scene with oddities and things that just make you feel uncomfortable until you hit the wall where you cannot take it anymore. And then that's when shit goes down. That's when the horror kicks in. And when it kicks in, it is nonstop. And that last act of the movie is just... It's gory, it's bloody, it is horrific in the style in which people are killed and the manner in which people are killed, the viciousness in which people are killed. It really, they did a good job with that. They didn't really reinvent the wheel, but they just did what they did and did it very well. They did it with like legit scares. And, and that's probably one of my biggest beefs with a lot of horror movies, uh, especially in this day and age, is they rely too much on superficial jump scares. Somebody is in a creepy house and they're lurking around and you they stop and you linger on them. And then all of a sudden a cat jumps out and meow, and the person jumps and everybody in the audience jumps. Uh, the jump scare has nothing to do with horror. It has nothing to do with the story. It's just put in there to make you jump and to get your heart beating. And to me, that's cheap. That's not to say I don't mind jump scares because this movie had a couple of jump scares, but the jump scares were a part of the horror. They were a part of, of the story. They made sense. And that's one thing I thought they did really well uh, because they had a lot of scary moments that that didn't rely on jumps. But when they did do a jump scare, it was a part of the horror. It was a part of somebody meeting their untimely demise. And I respected that and I liked that. It's not that I hate jump scares. I just hate jump scares when there's no consequence to them. When they have nothing to do with the horror, it's just purely to make you jump. And that's the one thing X did really well is when there was a jump scare, it was very integral to the horror that was going on on the screen at that moment, which I appreciated I respected and it made the movie 
uh, a horrific enjoyment to watch because like I said, it wasn't just jump scares. There was a couple jump scares that were integral to the horror, but they also had some truly scary, unnerving moments that very much made the horror in this uh, enjoyable. It felt real. It, I think probably that's one of the things that, that made it so scary is the reality of it. You didn't. This is one of those movies that you didn't need a supernatural element for it to be scary. I think some slasher movies, I think there has to be an element of supernatural nature to make this really scary, but this didn't have to rely on this. This didn't need that. And that's one of the, one of the things I liked about it as well is the, the realism felt real without being too too grounded the realism of what's going on and the reality of what's going on didn't stop them from doing some some pretty outlandish kills and some pretty over-the-top kills which which made it like i said a, a fun horrific ride if you can call a horror movie fun and this movie very much felt like it was was paying homage without being too obvious about it. When I first saw the trailer for this, I thought, okay, this is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets The Visit with a splash of Boogie Nights. And I was happy to see that it really, you know, while it came across as maybe kind of like an amalgamation of those two movies, when you're watching the movie, I didn't get a sense of it being derivative of either one of those. It had some some things that felt similar. Uh, you know, being set in 1979, it had that 70s feel, 70s Texas. You had that feel and that look uh, that very much felt akin to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You had the old couple with the old woman acting weird, very much felt like the visit. But this movie didn't come across as being a ripoff of either one of those movies. It felt like its own movie, which was nice to, to see those little bits of, okay, this is kind of like this, but it's not like it at all. But ultimately, this movie had a great feel. It had a great look. The production design of this felt very much like the late 70s, uh, kind of in the same vein of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. kind of has that 70s look and feel to it. This very much had that look of the late 70s. There's a lot of really good needle drops on this. You know, you get a lot of uh, great soundtrack uh, music that's very fitting of the late 70s. I thought the sound design on this movie was really good too because they used a lot of like simple sounds. Uh, they would take some of the moans and groans and sounds of the porn that they were making and they would get little clips of a, a moan or a sigh or something like that and create a sound design, a soundscape using that and with, with just minimal instruments and make the score of this movie out of that. And it added uh, a bit of creepiness to it. It added a bit of bizarre sensuality to it that really made it, like I said, it, sometimes it made it a little unnerving to have you know these sounds of lust and passion, these little tiny clips of it interwoven with the horror and the uh, tension and the uneasiness. It just kind of ratcheted it all up. It very much felt like, you know, how they used uh, Jason's mom's kill her to do that. 
they they it very much felt like that how they used those little bits of words to create a sound design and a soundscape for the Friday the 13th series just using those syllables from from those words and it very much felt like a tribute to that as well and there was a lot of themes with this movie uh to boot you know it's it's really cool when you can get a horror movie that is a straight up horror film you know there's there's no denying that this has horror in spades uh, this has tension this has uneasiness this makes you feel uncomfortable in, in a horror way but it also has some messages it doesn't necessarily beat you over the head with them it doesn't get preachy about anything but there are some messages uh about uh, the female body, uh, about pornography. Uh, there's a relationship between the Maya Goth character, Maxine, and the old woman, Pearl, that very much plays into uh, female sexuality from from a young age to an old age and what is acceptable and what is not. And it just really has some interesting themes that it plays on that I think we haven't seen the last of this this film franchise uh, because i do believe it's going to be a franchise uh I, I think it's it's been out there enough that uh, this is going to be a franchise i believe there's going to be uh, a sequel and there's going to be a prequel that i won't mention too much about it uh, it's going to be called pearl stay to the very end of the credits and you're going to get a preview of of this movie pearl which is going to be a prequel to x and it looks like it is going to be even more horrific and more of a wild ride than even X was. So really looking for that. Uh, I believe that may be coming out uh, sometime later this year. I, I haven't, uh, I can't remember specifically if it said when it's going to be released, but I believe that's supposed to be coming out later this year. Uh, so really excited about that. And then I believe we're supposed to be possibly getting a, a sequel. I, I don't know if that's going to be to Pearl or if that's going to be a sequel to X, but really excited to, to see what's going to be going on with the future of this movie and Ty West vision. So if you haven't seen X, Go check it out. Uh, you're If you like horror, you're not going to be disappointed. I don't think. If you have seen it, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I do. And stick around because uh, now we're going to talk about some spoilery things. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want anything spoiled, please go watch the movie and come back and listen to the end of this. But uh, until then, uh, <laughs> this is just for, for those of us that have seen it. Unless you don't care about spoilers, then uh, you, know, you can proceed as usual. But... One of the things I really found interesting about this movie is the relationship between Maya Goth, the Maxine character, and the Pearl character because uh, Maya Goth played both Maxine and Pearl. I knew that they had a younger actress playing Pearl from the get-go. Maybe not right at first until she started talking more, until we got some, some more lingering shots on her face because... One, her voice, well, my goth tried to sound older. Older people have a more gravelly way of talking. Their voice drops uh, in, in tone a little more. Uh, so she just, she couldn't pull that off. It sounded like a younger voice trying to be old. Also, her eyes were too clear and bright 
for a woman that's supposed to be in her 80s, 90s, maybe even older than that, given when uh, the prequel Pearl is supposed to be taking place. But I, I think that is done for a reason. I think the the Pearl and the Maxine character, and I said earlier that I didn't think there was any supernatural elements to this. Uh, I don't think in the context of X there were any supernatural elements, but I think there is a tie between Pearl and Maxine. I don't know what it is, because, but I think there's a reason why they have Maya Goth playing both Maxine and Pearl, whether it's some sort of reincarnation thing, whether it's some sort of, I, I don't know. Uh, but I'm really interested to see where they're going with this because they have Maya Goth as playing a younger version of Pearl in the movie Pearl, which I believe, and I really loved how they did the the transition uh, from 1979 at this farmhouse and they kind of go back and do pictures of that farmhouse back through the years until they get to 1917. And I loved how in 1979, it's very neutral tones, uh, you know, browns and greens and yellows, um, muted yellows, goldish yellows. And then when they go back to 1917, it's very vibrant and bright and colorful. The greens pop, the reds pop, the blues pop, the sky pops, the grass pops. And it just made it look just tonally like a different era. And so I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with that. I'm excited to find out what is this link between Maxine and Pearl. There's got to be some connection between these two characters that, that we're going to find out in Pearl. And I think the Pearl... Uh, movie is going to focus a lot on some of those themes about uh, female sexuality and repression of that and expression of that. And it, it seems like it's going to be really interesting to find out where they're going to go from here. Because like I said, there's supposed to be a sequel in the works as well. Uh, whether it's a sequel to Pearl, whether it's a sequel to X, I'm not 100% sure on. But uh, I'm really excited to see where, we're gonna, where they're going to go with this because I thought Ty West did a fantastic job. This movie was very well written, very well directed. It felt like some of those classic horror movies from the late 70s and, and into the 80s, those classic horror slasher films. But it also felt... Uh, I don't want to say art housey because that comes across a little pretentious, but in some of the uh, design felt very much like a throwback to the 70s. Uh, in some regards, they would flash in between scenes as a, as a bit of a transition and that that kind of felt, I know Art Housey kind of comes across as a little pretentious, but it felt different. It felt interesting to watch how this movie was filmed, how it was edited, and I enjoyed it very much. Probably one of my favorite horror films to come out thus far in 2022, because other than the fact that I could tell it was a young actress playing the Pearl character, uh, it didn't take me out enough to make me not enjoy the movie but I could tell it was a young actress playing Pearl and it was quite obvious that was probably my only critique of this movie because I really enjoyed everything from the acting to the directing to the look and the feel and the sound of this movie uh, the tension like I said was just palpable you could really cut the tension with a knife and that really made 
the payoff when the horror really kicked in all that much more horrific and all that much more enjoyable. So I really enjoyed X. Uh, I thought that this is a movie that I could watch again and still enjoy. And I'm looking to see what they have in the future for this uh, possible franchise. Uh, we're at least going to get the prequel Pearl coming up. Uh, I, I'm guessing. I, I think I heard sometime later this year. Hopefully you enjoyed X as much as I did. Uh, you know, it's when you... Uh, watch it or if you've already watched it please leave your thoughts and comments check out our facebook page odds bodkins curiosity shop uh, leave some comments on the post with this podcast uh, i want to know what you have to say about x and what your thoughts on x were so check out odds bodkins curiosity shop on facebook we're always sharing articles from around the internet on horror fantasy and sci-fi we're always sharing uh, trailers for tv shows and films that are soon to be out and horror fantasy and sci-fi and always sharing our thoughts on the genres that we love so check that out and no matter where you're listening to this podcast whatever platform please like it subscribe to it download it share it and please leave a review five stars will be awesome but whatever review you leave we do appreciate the feedback so uh, until next time thank you for visiting odds bodkins curiosity shop we hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. <laughs>